Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We've got a uh, we've got a really interesting topic lined up that uh, that is near and dear to Dean and I's hearts because we both encountered some challenges and we're just going to be super vulnerable and share those things with you guys and some lessons that we think you should be taking away from some of the things that we've experienced recently. And uh, one of those things is actually how to do horseback riding like Dean. No, I'm just kidding. But speaking of horseback riding like Dean, he's galloped into the studio. He's just dismounted his white noble steed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. (laughs) How are we doing, my friend? Excellent. I, I honestly, I think I say this every week, but I do not get bored of of that welcoming intro to the show. So, um, so I I do want to know for real: Have you actually set that as your alarm in the morning yet? <laughs> I should. Why should. have I not I, done this? In yeah, fact, everybody no. listening should do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should be everybody's alarm. Yes. You you riding into trumpet fanfare? <laughs> there we go. That'd be the one. I think, uh, well, I, you know, that's my alarm. It's been my alarm for quite a while now. <laughs> it's really what gets me going in the morning, just uh, thinking about you <laughs> riding in on a horse. <laughs> and I think sure I, that's true. <laughs> well, and I, you know, it's funny. I had, uh, I had somebody who listens to the show reach out not that long ago, say, does, does Dean actually ride into the studio on a horse? I was like, yeah, why, why would you think, why would you even think to ask that as if this is made up? Right. She's like, oh, okay. I just like I wanted to be sure because I, you know, I know he's an Englishman. He right. lives in the English countryside. Yeah. And so maybe he does ride a horse into the studio. I was like, while drinking tea. While drinking tea, it seems like it would be outrageous for us to concoct such a ridiculous visual yeah. if you weren't actually riding that the horse into the studio. Yeah. To be honest, if anyone thinks we just turn up to this show with no plan and not on horseback, then unfortunately you probably just tune out now. This is no amateur thing. No, exactly. There's not a lot of shows where the, the host, the co-hosts ride in on horseback, but this is one of them. And right. I think, yeah. you know, that, that may not be what's important to people, but it definitely is what separates us from the rest of the crowd. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> so uh oh my so, goodness so so you and i had uh had a long chat last week just uh kind of a general catch-up you know which right. uh which you know super painful for me to have to have any kind of conversation with you outside <laughs> right. of the show you were crying tears of blood at the time i was well that was because i had a, my finger in a vice trying to take <laughs> my mind off of the misery that i was in having the conversation with it's you. a small distraction <laughs> yeah yeah exactly Um, but in our, in our conversation, we're kind of catching up on what's going on in our businesses, decisions that we've made, you know, not necessarily like a year to date sort of thing, 
but in a certain to a certain extent saying all right what are some of the lessons that we've learned this year that we wish we didn't have to learn the hard way <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> right and yeah. uh and it and it seems like no matter uh no matter what level you get in your life and in your business there's always another level to conquer and yes. that that yes. next level you know kind of like uh, a video game um you know there's there's new challenges and everything maybe maybe yeah. not necessarily a video game like animal crossing um but a video game where you're battling you know the boss and things like that at the end of the level um and don't think I don't know about your Animal Crossing habit. <laughs> I was just waiting. I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Where's this heading? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found out about that. <laughs> well, you know, I've been locked in the house for months. Strange things happen. Strange, yeah, that's definitely strange. But but every every level requires a new version of you. And yes. and and I think the faster that you can adapt to the current challenges, the more quickly you can move through those levels. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so so we got talking. And I know I have, I have two specific examples that I'm going to share whenever we get to it of what it's cost me to not make a decision as soon as I really thought it was a good decision to make. And then, and then I kind of shared that with you and you're like, oh yeah, that's happened to me too. And so, so what we want to talk with you guys today is, you know, the cost of indecision in your business is something to be really, really mindful of. Many people only look at the cost of making a decision, yes, but they don't necessarily look at the cost of not making the decision. Yeah, right. Everybody always, you would look at, what if I do this and this happens? What if I do this and this? Like, when would you ever hear somebody say, well, hang on a minute, what if I don't do this? What might happen? Yeah. It's never that way around. And it, like I think like we said last week, you know, it's such an important view to take that look because... You, you more harm i i've generally found more harm like like we said recently more harm by not making a decision than making one at least by making one you learn even if it goes wrong yeah yeah well i i think it's this whole uh this whole concept of opportunity cost you know mm-hmm. kind of with like a different a different angle to it and yes. it's uh you know it's easy to say okay if i you know i decide to hire somebody on my team, for example, and you know, this, this person's salary is X, this is how much it's going to cost me to hire them. Right. It's kind of, and I think most people think about that. Here's very straightforward. Okay. Mm. It's going to cost X. That's how much I'm going to have to pay all these different things. But rarely are you thinking about what's it costing me to not hire that person or, or another example, right? It's going to cost me this amount of money to run a new ad campaign or build a new sales funnel or create a new product or a new service in my business. What's it going to cost me to not do that? This yeah. whole con- this whole concept of the cost of inaction or the cost of indecision is something that um, I, I think about and I talk about, but sometimes yeah. I still find myself victim <laughs> to my own biases and not really evaluating that well enough. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that the thing that really uh, sort of pushed this over the edge for me, as far as why, why this is top of mind now um, is I, uh, I, I had somebody that was on my team 
uh, for a couple of years. And, you know, I think when he came on the team, he was the right person for the level at which our business was at. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I said, okay, this, you know, this guy's doing a good job and, you know, he was kind of, he was kind of getting me what I needed and, you know, meeting expectations. But as the business grew, you know, I, and I'm sure like, just like you, I have this, this, uh, this habit of sometimes out, outgrowing people and outgrowing things as, as the business grows and as I change and everything like that. And so as the business grew, we kind of passed where his capability was. Sure. And so, right. right. So, so he's back where he started, which was good for where he was when we needed him. And then the business continued to make progress. And now it's not like he's not doing his job. It's just that the job that he's doing, there's a glaring gap between what his capability is and where the business has evolved to. Right. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. And, and so then now I'm sitting here starting to get frustrated with this guy. Like, why isn't he keeping up? Like, why isn't he doing his job? Why isn't he getting everything done the way that I need it done? When in reality, he's doing it according to the standard that he was capable of when he was first hired. And at that point, when I started noticing there was this increase in the gap between where we were as a business, what our needs were as a business, and where his capability was, and that gap continued to widen, I knew I needed to let him go. Yeah. Right. And I was like, man, I just like, I, I freaking appreciate that this guy was good when the business was at a certain level. Now that it's grown, I feel like he's just not cutting the mustard and I need to let him go. And what did I do? What did I do? The guy who talks to people about hiring people, managing people, firing people. <laughs> I sat on my freaking hands <laughs> and I kept this guy around for at least another 90 days longer than I should have. And you know what happened? He finally quits. He finally <laughs> quits because it, it, it occurs to him. I'm not keeping up and I'm going to get my ass fired if I don't quit. So I'm just going to quit now. And then he quits and I bring in the new people who are way more capable at the level we're at. And, yeah. and we've been cleaning up his mess for the last six weeks. All right. Wow. Yeah, it's funny listening to you say that. I've uh, I've also had a very similar experience because in all honesty, you know, uh, I have no problem in saying this. I don't have a lot of experience with hiring and firing. Um, I've never had massively large teams. In fact, it's you that's helped me, isn't it, over the last few years with even being able to start growing a team. And uh, funny, exact same scenario as you. So one of the very first people that ever did work part of my team, exact same thing happened here. You know, the business was growing. And I tell you, I tell you a mistake I, I also made in that situation. I was trying to actively push him into a, a more, you know, important role, perhaps in the business. You know, I was I was almost thinking, well, this guy's been with me from the beginning. You know, I have to develop his skills. I have to really push him. But the problem was he was he didn't want to push himself. Yeah. And 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 I actually was listening to you then, thinking, wow, you did you were lucky. You you did good that that went on for ninety days. I actually had a bad situation for somebody for more than 18 months. Oh, my God. And, and still kept it around to the point where it was like, the guy just doesn't show up anymore, and I still don't want to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, indecision, it's, a killer. Indecision, right? And, and, here's, uh, and, and these stories are plentiful. 
you can and and for you guys listening, I'm sure you've got your own experience of hanging on to something, trying to make it work for way longer than was realistic. And and it's not I hate to say this, but it is not a rational thought. Right? Like the rational thought is, is this working? And if it's not, then I need to make a change. But I think what happens to us a lot of times, especially for, you know, entrepreneurs and and creative types who are prone to solving problems. Yes. We're like, oh, here's a problem. Let me figure out how to solve it. Because I think to many of us, there's not this concept of something being impossible. There's, There's things that are challenging and things that are difficult, but it doesn't feel impossible. Like, oh, I can make it work. I can make it work. Right. But what is the cost of trying to make it work? You know, I got got another great example and 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 this is remarkably easier to to help other people with than is yourself. Right. All the time, but that's why, you know, you can tune into a conversation like this and hear that you're you're not the only one going through this. Um I've got another example um one of the one of the companies that I'm partner in, I'm not I'm not the guy who's calling all the shots in this company. I have a a, a good stake in the company, but it's not like I'm not super, super, super hands-on, okay? And I know that these guys have somebody on their team in a critical role that is just like way past the point of expiration. Right. (laughs) And I call it out. I'm like, you got to get rid of her. You got to get rid of her. You got to get rid of her. I know, but like, you know, she's been with us since the beginning. She's our biggest cheerleader, like blah, blah, blah. Like all these things, one month, two months, three months, six months, 12 months, probably close to what you're talking about. 18 months. Finally, I lay out the business case. I just can't take it anymore. Even though I'm like, okay, you know, I support you making your own decisions, but I'm going to give you strong non-ambiguous advice that you should get rid of this person. Right. And finally, like, here's how it's probably costing you to keep this person around. Finally, get rid of that person within 24 hours. There's a general relief from the entire team. Oh, thank God. We, we all fear. We all feel more free to do what we need to do. We feel more capable like all these different things. And then we're able to fill that slot with somebody who is ready for the next stage of the business challenge. And, and within not saying this person was the only reason, but I can't tell you that it wasn't a contributing factor within three months. We increased the profits of the business by 25%. Wow. One, one single person can be so detrimental to your productivity in your business. And, and so this goes to this, uh, this framework that I want to share with, with you guys, which is uh, something I think we've talked about before, but just to drill into, drill into it again, on one side, you've got willingness. Is this person willing to do their job? Either they're unwilling or they're willing. And then on the other side, are they able to do their job? They're unable or they're able, right? We're looking for people who are willing and able And here's the thing, because your business is not a static object, because it's moving, it's growing, it's changing, it's dynamic, the answer to is this person willing and able 
does not stay the same over time. Nothing stays the same over time. And the faster your business is growing and the more your needs change, the more frequently you need to be recalibrating your expectations for the people on your team. Are they willing and are they able? Yeah. No, I think that's perfect. I think, uh, yeah, I've experienced a few times now over the last few years with what you just said about an individual single person or the wrong person or the wrong, the right person in the, even in the wrong role uh, can be so detrimental to the business. I, I think that's absolutely so correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's like all sorts of, you know, people who study this type of stuff and try and put numbers and quantify it. And I think the, um, on the low end, the cost of having somebody in the wrong role is uh, at least five times what you pay them on an annual basis. Gosh. <laughs> wow. Five times. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I can, you know what? It's funny. I can even look back, you know, 10 plus years or whenever it was, 2009, when I was last an employee, I was a, in some respects, towards the later stages of, of me being now ready and wanting to go and start my own business, I was a terrible employee. <laughs> the problem is they had me like I was at a construction company at their head office and I was just like walking around talking to people all day. And I'm looking back based on what you've just said. I'm like, I easily used to distract at least 10 to 20 people off their job every single day by like not being that interested in my own job anymore. Right. So like that, that highlights the point I've done it myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the thing though. This is not just a, this isn't just a conversation around hiring people or letting people sure. go. This is not just a people conversation. This is an honest appraisal and evaluation of the, all the different things that are going on in your business. And as, as a business owner, your job is to allocate resources that are going to get you the highest return and make the biggest impact. And so yeah. the second story that I want to share is about a software tool that we were using for a long time. We were, we had great results with it. It was really, really good for the stage that we were at, and we outgrew the tool. And then we start using all these different tools to try and, like, make it work. Again, here comes this whole make it work thing, right? Right. And fin finally... We said, you know what? What if we're just trying to make this work? What if we use the same evaluation? Is this tool willing and able <laughs> yeah, to sure, do yeah. the job, right? Right. And, and you know, the tool is only maybe willingness is a stretch for a, a tool, but ability <laughs> for sure. Like, yeah, is this capable 100%. of doing what we needed to do? And we, uh, we took a look. We evaluated our options. We got rid of the tool, brought in another tool. And our overall team productivity has shot through the roof. And, and we were productive before. But even that was holding us back. And, and between these two situations happening within, you know, kind of three months of each other, it really got me thinking, you know, I'm, I'm you know, focused on this sort of stuff on a pretty regular basis. And I'm still finding myself where we're moving slower or not accomplishing, not accomplishing the objectives that we want to accomplish because sometimes I'm not making the decision to get rid of something and start bringing in something new that helps us meet our needs for where we are right now. Yeah. It's, you know what? I was, uh, I'm kind of smiling as you were saying that because 
I've actually got a a software story of my own that that actually is happening right now, today. Not the past story, today, right this second. So, again, I'm not going to name software. It's not about slagging anything off. But um, one particular software in one of my companies that we use to do with our order processing and things, we've been having problems with. So, you know, about 15, 20% of orders are not being fulfilled. So we act, I actually have a, a full-time employee that part of his job now is to manually verify all orders and remedy the problem that the software is creating. And because the business is growing, the problem with the software is, you know, scaling. Magnified, yeah, totally. Right, yeah. And, you know, you don't notice problems sometimes at a smaller level, but as it's growing, it's like, holy cow, this is becoming a real problem. And it's funny, I was just giggling at what you just said there because it's like, is the software able? Are we, like, let's just keep forcing it to try and work. About three weeks ago, I said to uh, somebody in the business, I think maybe we need to look at employing another person just to check orders. You know, I didn't think let's switch software to something that might work. I'm thinking, how do we keep trying to patch this problem? And I'm like, instead of pulling a trigger, making a decision that, hang on, this thing is no longer supporting the business for where it is. It has done for years, no longer is. I'm trying to force myself to keep using the thing that I feel comfortable with and familiar with. But to do that, I'm going to start what? I'm going to employ a new full-time member of staff to fix a problem that shouldn't exist. Like fix the problem, (laughs) you know, and and just lack of decision around that. has just been crazy. Well, it's and 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 in that case, the, the cost of the indecision to switch software is going to be whatever it takes to, you know, recruit, hire, train, manage that new person and then pay that new person and then you got the other person who's doing all those different things and um and i think i think when you are in the business yeah it's like okay we got a lot of things going on let's just fix this up and we'll come back to it later yeah and and maybe in the moment sometimes that's fine but when you don't come back to it later and you just keep like putting bandaid on top of bandaid on top of bandaid. Yeah. Then, then you're, you're just like, you're carrying that problem forward with you. And, and all of these things have a tremendous cost, not just in the amount of money that you're paying out, but eroding away on your profit margins and the money that you actually keep. So then you find yourself putting in more hours or working harder or having more people or more overhead or whatever to get the same or less on the bottom line. And you're kind of like, Oh, I guess this is just what happens when a business grows. And it's not, it's what, it's what happens when you don't address the root of the problem or you fail to make a decision that sometimes could be tough or challenging or uncomfortable or, or anything like that. And so my, you know, the way, the way that I like to, to think about it, is not I'm not trying to become somebody who's uh you know impulsive like that's the complete opposite of what's important to me sure but if I see something that needs a change I want to get to the bottom of it address it and make a fast decision on what what our criteria for keeping something deferring something or changing something is much faster because the faster we can make those decisions the faster we can get to the next level. And even if one of those decisions costs us something, it probably is not going to cost us 
the same or or as much as not making that decision at all. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, so what I what I'd be interested in just put this to you then is you you've already mentioned that you know you get this wrong sometimes. You know, you with the hiring and things, you get it wrong. I get it wrong. I'm still you know, learning today. Have you always been that way yourself? Have you always been somebody that can, you know, make decisions rather quickly? Or is that something that you've had to develop? And if you did, is there any tips in there that you can share on your experiences? Of how, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, look, I, I struggle to make decisions. How, how can we help that person? Yeah. Oh, man, what a what a great question. Um, no, I, I have not been somebody who's uh, always been like that. And uh, and and I think that. Um, I, I remember, I remember an example when I was in high school or something like that. And I needed to go and we were getting ready for some event. So me and my buddy got in my car. I was like, Hey, just real quick. You know, we're going over to his house to hang out. I was like, real quick, I'm gonna stop at the store and I, I need to grab a pair of khaki pants or something. When in the store, I took forever to make the decision <laughs> on which pair of khaki pants to get to the <laughs> To the point where he was like, Ray, stop being friends with me. He's like, when are you going to be done? This is absolutely ridiculous. So um, I don't think everything's always been like that. But um, but I think one of the things that I had to just become comfortable with, and as, as somebody who's got this, um, I guess, more of an engineering mindset where mm. you want things to be precise, you want things to be accurate, you want to feel like you're well-informed and making decisions, um, this is something that I've definitely had to work on. And right. one of the, one of the things that's really, really helped me a ton is one, knowing that no matter how much information you ever get about anything, it's never going to be enough to make a perfect decision. Like, Ooh, yes. like it, it just, you just won't ever get there. Yeah. And the, the more in many cases, the more information you get, the more you see that there's all these different variables and things that. And so one, I had to become okay with the fact that you're never going to get to hundred percent. You're probably, and if you get to 90%, you've probably waited too long. Um, right, yeah. I, I read, uh, I read an autobiography, uh, by, uh, Colin Powell, who was, you know, a military general, uh, for the, for the U S, um, in the, in the nineties. And one of the things he said was his ability to make decisions was probably one of the most important things in his job. And when he got to a 70% confidence level, that's when he made the decision. Wow. And he, and so he's like, okay, if I'm not at 70%, that means I don't really have probably enough information. He's like some situations you're not going to get to 70%. You just need to go with it. He's like, but if I get over 70%, that means that I've probably waited too long to make the decision. And now it's costing me something on the other side. Wow. Yeah. And so that, that rule of thumb has been, um, has been really, really helpful for me. And, you know, there's, there's no way to exactly measure, like, is it exactly 70%, right? Is it, sure, right. you know, 65 <laughs> or 66.2%? Like nobody knows, uh, I nearly right? made a great decision, but only hit 67 nearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but if you're, if you're kind of coming to it to say, all right, do I have approximately, you know, 70% confidence in, in the thing that I'm thinking about and the way that we're moving forward, um, then it's, it's probably about time to pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think uh, just chiming in on the like the question or, or thoughts myself, you know, as I look back over the years, one of the things that I realize is so, so true, and I, you, you will probably know better than me. I don't know where or who the quote's from, but it's like how you do something is how you do everything. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that I found in the past is outside of business, I used to be a rather indecisive person in general. You know, what would you like to eat? Oh, I'm not really sure. Where would you like to go? Oh, I don't really know. Do you want to do this? Uh, you decide. You know, like, and, and so outside of business, you know, one of the things that I noticed about myself that I've worked on is like, I, I started to understand that the way I was in life was how I was in my business. You know, I couldn't make decisions in business. Well, I wasn't making decisions in life, you know, in just general day-to-day living. And one of the things that I switched up for me on a more simple basis is, like just being aware of any time, not just in business, not just in hiring situations, not just in all, in, in all situations is starting to focus on, even if I wasn't comfortable trying to force myself in all situations to just make a decision. Right. You know, and just being willing to actually do that, I found has helped support me in business as well. And so if like, just to share that with, 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 the, with everybody listening is like, if you find you can't make decisions outside of business you're probably going to struggle with that in business as well it's more of a i think it's a it's a mindset and a trait that you have to develop and adopt that you are a decisive type of person you can have your own criteria for how that's done like what you were just sharing there james but that that would be one thing i would highlight to people is notice what you're doing in day-to-day decisions if you struggle there start working on those and that's going to help you just develop that mentality i would suspect in business as well well, and one of the one of the other things I'll add to this um, that I think you know, because you were talking about like you know where you want to go to eat or what you want to do or whatever, um, that I think I think uh, a lot of times most of us fall victim to on various degrees is we uh, hu- human beings are social creatures, right. right? We we want to be connected with other people. We want to be part of the social structure. We like all these different things. It's like in our DNA and we can't really get rid of it. Um, And so sometimes I think for the sake of pleasing other people, you know, uh, we are indecisive, right? We don't want to, you know, we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or we don't want to look like the bad guy. or We don't want to have a conflict or we don't want to, you know, do any of these things that are, you know, sort of frowned upon socially, you know, Oh, that, you know, he's, he's super decisive, but he's a real, he's a real ass, right? People would be like, Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather be a little bit less decisive and have people like me. Right. For the the most part. Um, and, and so I think the, uh, I think one of the, one of the things that trips us up is that that tendency towards, you know, people pleasing or pleasing others and wanting consensus and everybody feel good and like not Mm. upset people and, and all those things. Cause you know, most of the time, if, uh, you know, if it's like, Hey, what do you want to eat? You know, if most of the time for me, it would be, well, I'd, I'd love pizza, whether I'm going to eat it or not is a totally different story, <laughs> right. but when I'm clear on what I want, right. But then, you know, somebody's like, ah, oh, I don't feel like pizza. You know, we had pizza two nights ago. Like, all right, all right. And you get into this whole thing and, and, and this, there's really no real cost to being like, Oh, we're going to have, you know, burgers tonight or pizza or sure. some, something healthy or whatever. I mean, there's, you know, all the, you know, being healthy type thing, but that notwithstanding in business, there's real costs 
associated yeah. with these people pleasing tendencies and wanting to make everybody happy. I was <laughs> the craziest, craziest example I ever saw when I, when I first got my job at HSBC the bank in 2006, I, I had this, this team that I was coming in to, to try and help manage. And I had to take a trip to Buffalo because there was this big project going on there and one of our designers was up there and I walk into this, uh, this big boardroom, like biggest boardroom I've ever seen. And the table in the boardroom was probably not even kidding. 40 feet long, 40 feet long, really wide at the, you know, it was kind of like this sort of oval shape at the widest point. It was probably 10 feet wide. And, and in this room, there's no less than 60, 70, 80 people in this room, many of whom have seats around the table. And then there's standing room only. And the walls, like everyone's standing against the walls. And in the middle of the table is this guy that I come to find out is going to be on my design team. He's sitting there on his laptop with his laptop plugged into a projector, projecting the website that he's building and all of the people in the room are telling him, no, 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 no. Move that button down a little bit. Oh no, no. Move the text further to the right or further to the left. And I was blown away by how out of control this whole, we have to include everybody in order for this to feel good consensus. It was, you know, it was uh, designed by committee it's completely ineffective right. and, and inefficient and everything. And like within two days, I was like, we're never doing this ever again. <laughs> you guys are going to see the designs once we're done with them. If you need to change them a little bit, fine. But this is an enormous, enormous waste of time. But think about the payroll. Oh, it's crazy. It, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars per day <laughs> for people to sit there and tell one dude what to do. And, and so I think that's an, a super extreme example of sometimes you just got to be willing to make the decision. And if people don't like it, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's the, that's the major point behind making decisions you, is like not everybody will agree with the decisions you make. Not everyone will like them, but somebody has to make them. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and if you're in the position of being a business owner – which is, you know, who uh, a lot of our listeners are. If you're not making the decisions, who's going to make them? Yeah. That's what yeah. you're getting paid for. You're getting paid to make those decisions. And yeah. your business succeeds or fails based on the quality and the timeliness of the decisions that you make. Yes. Yes. And I suppose what we have to, uh, what you have to consider is, is like every business owner that's in business fought to be in business and they've gone through like such hardship and challenge to fight, to be a business owner. Like you fought to make those decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give them up. Now you have the right. <laughs> yeah. That, no, you're out. You're absolutely right. And, and in my case, I fought to be able to make those decisions because I believe that I could do a better job making the decisions than somebody else. Right. Right, like yeah. that's why I was like, I think I could do a better job. Aren't, other than Ramasio, I would say your statement's true. Yeah, he, well, he's he, like head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and that's why that's why he flies around and looks down upon us <laughs> in a condescending way. Um but but this this is so critical that you become okay. So, you know, to your question a little while ago, what are some of the things that the tips that have helped? One, I think that whole 70% rule is really helpful. Two, you need to become okay with people not liking and agreeing with all of the decisions that you make. Mm. Because if you're waiting for everybody to be on board with your decision, it's the, the moment will have passed. The opportunity will maybe have come and gone. And if not, the cost will be so extreme mm. um, that in, in most cases it's, it's cost you more than, than it really should have. Right. And, and, and I think it would be uh, fair to say that you're not always going to make the right decision as well. And no, you also have to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, let's say you're 70% confident, but you're totally wrong. Right. You could be confidently wrong about plenty of things, Right. Yeah. There are a lot of people, I don't know about a lot of people, there are a number of people now who think the earth is flat. <laughs> right? They're and they're flat earthers. The flat earthers. Yeah. And and they believe, probably with more than 70% confidence, that the earth <laughs> is flat. Does that make them right because they're confident? No. <laughs> it just makes them confident. And so, you know, being being confident and being correct are two completely different things. But at least if you have the confidence, hey, I'm 70% confident, but you got to be open to reevaluation, mm. whether that's helping you get what you want or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's something that you learn through making decisions, isn't it? I think there's, there's certain things that you can learn in a book, but there's other times you just got to start doing, start making decisions. And like, I, I would honestly say, if it helps encourage anybody, that my greatest lessons, I think we've touched on this in the past, but my greatest lessons have not come because I've made decisions and got them right. My greatest lessons have usually come because I've made a decision, done something, and it didn't go the way I thought. But I've come out of that a better person, a better business owner with better information and knowledge so that next time I make a decision, I'm better equipped to increase my chances of that being correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's experience. And, and so I've got, I've got uh, another thing that I learned that, um, that I think could be really helpful here too. And not, not all decisions should be created equal, right? So, Mm. you know, um, what, what am I going to eat for lunch today should not be equal to, um, should I sell my company? Right. Well, that depends who you're asking that question to. It's a pretty damn <laughs> right. important question there, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Obviously, what I'm eating for lunch today is far more important than, you know, should I exit my company or take on a partner or something, right? But um but those those decisions are not the same. And and uh this is something I learned from uh from a guy named Shane Parrish, who runs a really cool thing called um uh uh Farnham Street. And and he said that there's there's two different ways of looking at decisions. There's decisions that are consequential and inconsequential, meaning okay. does this decision have a, a significant consequence to it or does it have, you know, could, it's a trivial decision and that's one spectrum. Sure. And then the other spectrum is if I'm wrong, is this decision reversible or irreversible? How, okay. right? So it's like, is it a, is it a big decision with a big impact 
but it's reversible or is it a big decision with a big impact, but it's irreversible. Right. And so the amount of energy that you should put into, you know, thinking these things through should not be equal for all of the different decisions. So when you have a decision to make, you should be looking at, okay, well, if this is a sort of inconsequential, inconsequential decision, like it kind of doesn't matter as much whether I get it right or I get it wrong. Mm, Yeah. Then, then you should, you should have way less stress about that and save your real thinking and evaluation for those decisions that are consequential and potentially irreversible. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that's a fantastic point actually, because I think, I think you're right. Like, I think there's got to be like a, you know, a fair warning as we talk about this topic that, yeah, you, you don't rush into certain decisions and say, right, just make a fast decision. Go with your gut. What does it tell you? You know, yeah. based on like, okay, do I sell my company? Do I exit? You know, you, I think, I think you, that, that's such a great, great point. Cause I, I think I, I've got a tendency sometimes I'm like an all or nothing type personality. So, but sometimes that can lead me into, into like problems because I'm like, so all in and just do it, just go, go, go that sometimes I do rush into things. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, there's the old saying, um, you know, choose your battles wisely. Yes. It's the it's the same thing. Choose your battles wisely. And, uh, and, you know, fortunately I think for a lot of us, if we're, if we're aware of that, we could probably make decisions a lot faster, which prevents that cost of indecision because a lot of decisions are, you know, not, they carry consequences, but they're not super, super. Oh my gosh. Like, like going back to the guy that I knew I should have fired. Right. Was it a consequential decision? Eh. You know, I think, I think if I'm really honest, I might've just felt bad, (laughs) you know? And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe there's, you know, something more that I could be doing as, you know, as the owner of the company be setting them up for success. And Mm -hmm. instead of just being calling it for what it is, Hey, yeah. We outgrew, we outgrew you, dude. Sorry. Yeah. Right. I didn't, yeah. you know, in that case was, you know, one of my, when my one feeling showed up, <laughs> I didn't want to be the bad guy. Gosh, it doesn't come as often as Christmas, but you managed to find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but filtering through, is this a consequential decision? Nah, not really. Like, right. it, you know, it's a role that I can replace I, and I know how to hire people really well. So why, why, why go through the agony, you know, and that, in that case was probably more like I didn't want to spend the time on it. Sure. Yeah. I felt bad. I didn't want to spend the time on it. So I was looking at all the thing, all the reasons why I didn't want to make the decision instead of all the benefits of making that decision. Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes like there's a natural tendency to almost like you, we know, I think, well, I think most people know you usually have a, a level of awareness, even if just to yourself that you know you're not doing something you perhaps should be. You know if you're shying away from a circumstance or situation or making a decision. I think generally speaking, you can step back and say, like, I kind of know that I'm not doing something I should here. But it's it's easier to kind of push it to the back of your mind, isn't it, and ignore the problem or ignore that decision so that you can continue feeling a level of comfort because you're not having to make it. You know, yeah. I think we, we can play so many so many tricks on ourselves around this whole subject of making a decision, not making one. I think often, I think it would be easy for me to kind of summarize this to say that like, it's usually always you, isn't it? Like, you know, you've got a decision to make and you know, if you're shying away from it and, and if you take a moment to actually think about it, you can probably figure out why 
you're not making that decision or why you're remaining kind of on that spot and on that fence and not doing something about it. So I think, I think the first thing is just being aware of it, isn't it? And, and recognizing when those moments come. Yeah. And, and to, to add to that, make, make a list. Like what, what is it costing me to not make this decision? Yeah. You know, like legitimately yeah. write down a list. So, you know, you're talking about the, you know, the, the software that you're evaluating right now and, okay, what's it costing me not to make this decision? Well, you know, there's probably a level of customer orders aren't going through the way they want. You need them to go through. Right. And, yeah. and then there's the person who you have on your team who's compensating for the software. And then yeah. there's the cost of hiring a new person to compensate for the software. Yeah. And then yeah. there's the stress that you have trying to keep everything together with like spit and chewing gum. Right. And so yeah. like, what's, what's that costing you in terms of you have to think about this thing and use mental bandwidth on it as opposed to using your mental bandwidth on something that's actually productive. Right. So you start, you kind of start listing out what are the, all the costs associated with not making this decision. And I think that becomes hopefully obvious enough where you're like, Oh, I, I really do need to make a decision here so that you're doing it. Even if you don't, make the decision now you're at least choosing not to make that decision from an informed place yes yes instead of by default yes yeah you're absolutely right and I, I tell you what it reminds me of when you just said that i think we spoke about this on a previous show that you know rewind the clock 10 years when i was starting in business and built up so many debts on so many credit cards one of the things i was doing at that time was you know not facing up to what my finances were you know i had no idea how much debt i owed i had no idea i was remaining deliberately completely oblivious to it and and what you've just said there is is prime in terms of actually just taking like putting a list putting something actually on pen and paper and 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 that's the first time that i felt the impact of that and the reason i raise that here now is sometimes when we're not making decisions we're manufacturing what we think the reality is and usually we morph that into something so much bigger so much more severe or potentially damaging that we we've we've created a false reality of that thing which then further prevents us from making the decision and i think what yeah. you've just said is perfect in 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 that regard you know and and, and and applying that to the situation you were just talking about we actually did do that in the last few days because i thought making that decision to actually move to remedy this situation was going to be you know, something that might cost thousands and thousands of dollars and then bring on an additional 500 plus a month in software expenses to the business. And in my mind, I was like, that, that's absurd. That's crazy. Until I actually sat down and said, well, actually, like, what are the implications of this problem? You know, and I actually sat down over the last week. I spoke to the team member. He said, well, usually I spend anywhere between one to three hours a day verifying the orders. I was like, okay. So there we've got like, say, three hours a day of somebody's time. Then I started looking at what usually happens when these orders go missing. Oh, well, usually we end up getting a lot more influx of support because customers are wondering where their orders are. Totally. Oh, okay. How much time is that? X, Y, Z. So when you start listing all these things, all of a sudden I've gone from, oh, crap, it's going to be like 500 extra a month and maybe a few thousand to make this change. That seems a bit extreme for the level of problem. To all of a sudden, actually, this problem is potentially already costing six figures a year by not making the decision to move. Yeah. So I'm arguing, I'm battling to make this problem stick 
with band-aids for 500 a month when when you sit down and make a list we're probably six figures losing by not moving right right like, and i wouldn't have known that the reason i say that is based on what you've just said i would not have known it had i not actually sat down and assessed the actual thing what is the cost and of making a decision not making a decision it did do exactly as you just said it stacked the i i thought the odds were stacked so far in favor of not making that move that all of a sudden i look at it and i i can't believe how insane i am for not having made that move sooner yeah well and that's and that's what that's what happens when we try to do all of this you know kind of decision making in an unstructured way just inside of our heads yes you're right it, in the in our heads that's the thing in our yeah. heads yeah cuz it's like as as if I'm supposed to know how to make all the decisions that I need to make without getting th- getting all of the facts and ideas out of my head and organized in a way that helps me see the re- picture of reality for as it actually is without all of my, you know, sort of feelings and emotions and uncertainties attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, it reminds me of a conversation, like when you and I spoke last week, I think, I'm sure it was you, you said something to me, you said, if I were to ask you to do a, a mathematical equation in your head, chances are eventually you'd stump up and not be able to give me the answer. But if you sat down with a pen and paper and was able to work that out with the pen and paper, you'd give me the answer right back fairly quickly. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's relatable to what you're saying here, right? It is. It is relatable. And this is, you know, this goes, this for me, this, this lesson goes way back to some of the really crazy math and science classes I had in college and engineering classes where they give us these absurd problems. <laughs> like the, the word problem is like three, like three, four sentences long with numbers and letters and, you know, all these different things. And, and at first you're just like, Oh my God, right. what am I supposed to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> because your, your first inclination is to try and read it and see if you can figure out how to solve it. But the, the lesson always was identify the, the, the smaller problems inside of that, write each one of them down, solve each one of the smaller problems, and then figure out what the answer to the bigger problem is. And, uh, and, and it's just so much easier to do that because you could get one of these horrible problems and just sit there and stress about it and think about it and, you know, look at it and be like, Oh my God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what the answer Mm. is like, blah, blah, blah. But when you start breaking it down, you start writing it out, breaking it into its simpler parts. Then you're just like, Oh, Oh, that really wasn't that hard. Right. There it is. Yeah. Just that I'm, you know, freaking, you know, trying to solve this whole thing in my head (laughs) all at the same time. And that's not, it, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Like this isn't about, you know, uh, you know, intelligence intelligence is is a sign a function of you know moving forward and getting the job done not did you do it all in your freaking head yeah no dumbass i used a calculator see you later (laughs) i had a calculator (laughs) available so i used it yeah 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 so show, show your work with with decisions you know and and for the the smaller you know inconsequential ones that aren't a big deal you can make those decisions in your head great but even, yeah. you know, even sometimes uh, it's funny that you brought up the whole, like, what should we eat thing? There have been times where I've been in a group and everybody's like, oh, no, this or this or this. And everyone, nobody can agree. I'll just write every, I'll write everybody's ideas down on a whiteboard. Be like, okay, here's our, here's our ideas. 
Yeah. And the second the second we get them written down, like everybody's able to see them, make faster decision than we like we actually get it done for something that's super silly like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I, I, I always, not that this is, uh, well, probably not relevant, but uh, I always find people can tell you what they don't want, just not what they do want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know what? And, and that's another way to look at the decision-making thing because I could, you know, say, say I was going to fire this guy faster than before he quit. Be like, well, in this role, what's important to me? Well, it's important that we have X, Y, Z, but what don't I want? Oh, I don't want all of these other things. And then he lines up with more of the things that I don't want than yes. what I do want. Yeah. Then it becomes yeah. also, again, at least 70% confident. Well, I'm 70% confident this guy has a lot more in common with the things that I don't want than the yes. things that I do want. So what does that, where does that leave me? Well, if I'm not worried about, you know, making a mistake or, you know, kind of being the bad guy or whatever, the obvious decision is time to let him go and replace him with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great point. Actually. I didn't think we'd be able to apply that here, but you, you're absolutely right. You can. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it, it's just like, get first decide what kind of decision it is. Big, small, reversible, irreversible. Then write it down, write down what you're trying to achieve and how well your current course lines up with that and how well a new course would line up with that. And then in your case, like the analysis that you did, and, and when I say analysis, like I'm not talking about you got to build like spreadsheets right. and pivot tables and all sorts <laughs> yeah. of things like that. I'm talking about back of the napkin to give you yeah. a higher degree of confidence that you actually know what you're attacking. You know, so you're like, hey, it's costing us six figures a year to keep this software. Yeah. Like, am I good with that? Or is that a ridiculous <laughs> thing for me to keep doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think I could ever be good with that. <laughs> it can't be, but because like once you see it, once you see it, then you can't unsee it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then you make, and then you make the decision like, you know, we did with the changing of the one software program that I mentioned, or, you know, this guy leaving and everyone's just like, Oh yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. I guess I, when you've got a team as well, like, like nobody's stupid. Like so, so if somebody's, I, in this, I beg in the to back- differ with that statement, but we can keep going for the sake of this story. <laughs> True. <laughs> Why are you staring so intently at me? I can feel it through the camera when you said that. <laughs> uh, Nobody, but like, I did talk about the flat Earth people. You, that's true. That's true. I, I retract my previous statement. Usually, in your team, there aren't people. Like, let's put it this way: everybody else is picking up on the same things you are usually. Right. Like if if somebody's not right in that scenario, the team usually feels it as well. And I think a lot of times other people are internally crying out for you to make the decisions that they feel you should be making. So you gotta you gotta step up and make them sometimes. Yeah. Well that's that's a whole whole other ball of wax because then then you're uh you're tolerating things. Yeah. And when when you tolerate things that that can become a really, really bad standard to set. Yeah, yeah. And you're setting that example. Oh, we tolerate that things don't work well. We tolerate people who don't do their job effectively. Yeah, we, it's true. We tolerate indecision. We tolerate this or that. And then that, that has a, a really, really negative impact on your culture. Yes. And, and the way that everyone on the team will perceive your leadership. Yeah, it's true. You know, and, and you have you have a responsibility as a leader 
once you identify things to be deliberate about what happens next instead of silently tolerate things that aren't working. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is like so critical. I've, I've been on teams, you know, when I was in the corporate world where my managers would tolerate stuff and it was it was a disaster so yeah. um so i think doug is uh is pulling us off the air in just a minute um but before we go we got to let you guys know about a couple things one we are starting live video broadcasts of the just Hip show on september 15th tune in we'll be broadcasting live on youtube can't wait to see you guys interact with us live in the meantime Check us out on Just a Tip Show for past episodes. And this is James B. Friel signing off for me and my co-host, Mr. Dean Holland. And we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just a Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justatipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.